This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host Ishmael Johnson, Wednesday preview edition here with Mike Craven. Mike, what's up, buddy? Going on. Yeah. No longer in an undisclosed location. Yeah, in, right here in the, in, in the studio, man. This is cool. We're here to preview some weekend football, a good weekend slate. But first, I mentioned it in our emergency podcast. Uh, we talked about the Matt Wells firing. We're going to do a little recap. I'm going to set the timer here for three minutes. Rice got their win this weekend over UAB. I'm going to hit start now. Let's go. Rice over UAB. Uh, Mike Craven, how did it happen? <laughs> that, that was a weird game. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Wiley Green, you know, we kind of talked the first couple weeks of the season. I think we both agreed that Wiley Green was probably their best option at quarterback, and mm -hmm. it felt like they were trying to do everything possible to, to maybe look in other directions, but – he, he played a really good game, three touchdowns. They had some turnovers. They got up quickly and then just held on. You know, that's kind of how you have to do it as an underdog is kind of catch catch somebody slipping, right? Catch, mm -hmm. them, catch them quick, get that lead, and then just kind of hold on tight there and hope time runs out before the other team figures out that they're much better. Yeah, I should mention 30-24 over UAB, uh, at UAB. And I want to throw a stat out there because I think this is basically – this is the game. They go up 13-0. Uh, the defense plays really well. Wiley Green doesn't make mistakes. They don't run the ball great. They just kind of do it enough. They just kind of keep doing it and basically, you know, able to chew up some clock. Wiley Green's able to hit us some play action passes. I think one of the touchdowns was a play action pass. Uh, but I want to read off a stat that I think it represents the game. Five for five on fourth down. Yeah. They were aggressive. They, I believe uh, uh, it's also pretty telling that they were six of 16 on third down, but they put themselves in decent position to where they had a lot of fourth and shorts. The scenarios were. Uh, twice on the first drive, went for it on fourth down. Ended up going up seven. Ended up going uh, up seven nothing on that first drive. Once on the drive that put them up twenty to fourteen, and then twice on the drive that put them up twenty seven fourteen, including the touchdown. Basically, we love progressive kings, don't we, folks? <laughs> <laughs> we do. And then you know, August Petrie, the wide receiver, had yeah. a big game, and he's had two big. You know, the Arkansas in the opener was like, okay, he's gonna be the target right you know he had like four catches 97 yards against arkansas and then he just disappeared you know he wasn't healthy just hadn't been around he made a big impact had over 100 yards and he's kind of becoming their clear-cut number one receiver and that that's always big for an offense we've talked about rice and their lack of identity mm -hmm. if you can find a guy on the outside that can demand a double team or can punish some defenses then all of a sudden you kind of you have something cooking there and you have something you can work with yeah i'm glad you brought that up because you know, last year was clear they wanted what they wanted to do. They wanted to try and run the ball. They wanted to hit maybe some uh, moderate short passing games and kind of work the way down, work their way down the field, control the clock. They did that. They didn't again. They didn't run the ball very well. It was about almost fifty carries for under uh, under one hundred fifty rushing yards. But it was good enough to keep UAB honest. I mentioned Wiley Green didn't make any mistakes. Good seventeen of twenty two for two two hundred five three touchdowns. 
the defense is really what won this game for him because they forced a couple turnover, uh, I think one interception, and I think they forced a fumble. I'm not really, I can't really remember. But they basically it was it was a lot of bend don't break. You'll see a lot of a lot of uh, empty yards for UAB um, and drives that didn't really turn into much. And so I think that if that's what they have to kind of rely on this year until they maybe work out the quarterback position later on to maybe get somebody more explosive or get the running game a little bit better. And there goes the timer. Look at that. So uh, just as we were wrapping up, um, yeah, if this is kind of what their identity has to be, I think that's doable. If they need to just scrap out an ugly game, get some turn, get maybe a turnover, keep the ball clean themselves, be aggressive on fourth down. That's something that you can do week to week. And they had almost 40 minutes of possession. Yeah. And sometimes that can be a kind of a, a false stat. You know, mm-hmm. time of possession sure. can be a little misleading sometimes. But when you're Rice, yeah. I think that is an important stat. You know, you're one of those teams that, that needs the ball more often than not because you're not going to be explosive. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it was a good game, a, a good win, and one of those that you can really build on within the locker room, within the program. Because if you can beat UAB, you can beat most teams on your schedule. You right. just got to figure out how to have those kind of performances. 100%. Alrighty, let's get on to our previews for the week. Uh, we got two teams on buys, Texas A&M and UTSA. Of course, Texas A&M has Auburn coming up next week. UTSA has a great game on ESPN2 uh, against UTEP next week, which game day, just saying. Man. Game day in El Paso. That'd be a lot of fun. Just be, just saying. It'd be think, a lot of fun. I think UTEP might have to come away with a win to maybe make that happen uh, this week. We'll talk about that in a bit. First, though, 11 a.m., ABC, Baylor versus Texas. Baylor's minus three. Um, Texas hasn't lost three straight since 2016. Baylor is favored by, I mean, I mentioned the spread, but basically every metric has Baylor as about that favorite, which they probably would pick a neutral field roughly. Um, Yeah, what are you thinking for this one? I think that Baylor's strength plays right into where Texas is weak, and that's the run game. Texas has not been able to stop the run. You look at all uh, one of their wins, but three of their losses, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, uh, Oklahoma State, and TCU. Of course, they beat TCU, but Zach Evans played great. Arkansas, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State were all able to run the ball very effectively. The difference in a lot of those games was that the offense kind of – Texas' offense kind of hit stop and starts in some of those games and in mainly in the second half. What do you think is the key? Is that is is it as simple as hey Texas can't defend the run? Yeah, I mean they're at, they're giving up 200 yards a game rushing. Yeah, you know, they're not a good rushing defense. That defensive line's pretty bad. The linebackers are atrocious. Yeah, yeah, you know, especially if Overshone's not playing, the linebackers are just bad. They're right. just they're just not good. And so you can run on that team. And if you're Baylor, that's what you want to do. You want to do what you did against BYU. You want to run the ball a whole bunch, let Gary Bohannon use play-action passes and kind of you know get some deep shots in there, take some shots down the field. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think the the important matchup when Baylor has the football is their offensive line against Texas's front seven. And then flip side, I mean, I think this is going to get billed as like a running back versus running back type game. Mm-hmm. But I think it's Casey Thompson. Sure. When this Texas – we know what we're going to get from B. John Robinson, right? right. I think everybody kind of understands who he is and what he can do. If this Texas team wants to be anything more than average, it needs a passing game to go along with that. And mm-hmm. some of that's on the offensive line. That's not all on Casey. Uh, but in that loss to Oklahoma State specifically, he made some mistakes that we hadn't seen him make previously. Sure. And so if he plays that kind of game again, I think Texas gets blown out. If he can play a good game, because this Baylor secondary 
that's their weak spot. Mm-hmm. You know, like when BYU had success, it was passing the ball downfield. So if Xavier Worthy, Marcus Washington, if they can have big games for Texas, I think the Longhorns stay around in this one. But like you said, the fact that Baylor wants to run the football and the fact that Texas hasn't been able to stop a good team from doing so leads me to to lean towards, you know, Baylor minus three. Yeah, I think I'm I'm in the same boat with you. You look at B. John Robinson's games, aside from the Arkansas game, which, you know, 19 carries for 69 yards. He in the in both recent losses, 20 carries for 137 against OU, 21 for 135 against Oklahoma State. He's gonna get his. Yeah. Right. That's not that's not going to be the issue. You can't look at this game as the unless you want to give him the workload that you get in, did against a TCU where you just give him 35, 40 carries and he gets over 200 yards. Maybe. Sure. Maybe he could be the difference. But the difference isn't he's the constant. Right. He right. is the offense. He's the identity. What I'm curious about is that quarterback battle. Bahannon versus Thompson. If you would have said at the beginning of the year that you trust Baylor's quarterback than, more than Texas, people probably would have looked at you a little weird, right? Yeah. Gary Bahannon had a lot of question marks around him. Can he throw deep? Is he really you know, an accurate passer? Is he just more of a uh, kind of a sledgehammer type running back? And no, he's a fully-fledged quarterback, fully realized in this offense already. He's definitely the most, I think, trusted quarterback in this battle if you, if you look at both uh, play callers. The benefit for me for Texas comes with what does Sark look like after a bye week, right? What does he, what does this team look like when they've played, when they're, they had a week to prepare for Baylor, they saw that BYU game, they see what kind of works against that team. Okay. Now what's that? What do you scheme against this uh, very impressive Baylor team? Because I think what we're looking at is, I don't want to say a blowout game because Texas, that's one thing Texas hasn't done again, except for Arkansas. They haven't gotten blown out this year. Um, despite playing sometimes overmatched teams, what I think we're looking at a sneaky, potentially a sneaky dominant game from Baylor because this this has the the makings of a twenty four seven twenty four ten Baylor where Baylor's kind of playing with their food right Abram Smith uh, uh, Abram and, and um, oh, I'm forgetting the other running back's name like Ross Ebner Ebner um, are just churning through four yards six yards and it's just like a grind out and Texas can't get off the field and it's not high scoring, but it is very clearly dominant. I don't think we're going to get that if Texas wins. If Texas wins, it's going to be a close game, maybe a shootout. But if Baylor, I think Baylor could either win a close game or win one of those frustrating 10, 14 point wins. I think you're hitting on an important thing. Baylor has more ways to win this football game. Yeah. And I, I, that's that Texas should never be in that position. Sure. Right. Texas is too talented. They recruit too well. Um, but I think Baylor has the advantage defensive line versus Texas's offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think they have the advantage Baylor's offensive line versus Texas defense's defensive line. And then they have a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over, who, you know, I think he's more than a game manager, but he absolutely can manage a game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he's going to be asked to do at home. They are both coming off by week, so I think that's a wash. And, yeah, it's just hard to trust. It's hard to pick the team – that's not going to win the trenches. Sure. You know, and I yeah. know that they have some transcendent players, you know, specifically in Robinson and Xavier Worthy that can make this interesting. Uh, but if you're Baylor, you've had two weeks to prepare for that. I really like the front seven of Baylor. Yeah. I don't think we're talking about their defensive front seven a lot. I think their secondary is where you can attack, and I just don't trust Casey Thompson to do that for four quarters. Yeah. All right, moving on to – oh, jeez. All right, Texas State at Louisiana <laughs> – uh, 11 a.m. Saturday on ESPNU. Really? They put this one on ESPNU? Um, I have one question. How bad will it get? Mike Craven, uh, Louisiana's favorite by minus 21. 
I've always heard from gamblers that when so the line I have from Bavada is twenty one and a half, okay. and that they add that half to entice because nobody sure. will take right. Texas State. So it's like oh, if we make it more than three touchdowns, maybe people will. So yeah, you know this is a Louisiana team that a, a lot of people only saw the Texas game right. and kind of wrote them off as maybe not being that good this year, and, mm-hmm. and maybe they're not as good as they were last year, uh, but they're still plenty good in the Sun Belt, and they're still plenty better than Texas State. It's the Texas State defense. Yes. They're, they're yeah. just bad, right? And, and I and they're not going to get good against Louisiana. So this one's this one's going to get ugly. This one becomes more about can you keep it close more than you, can you pull the upset? And of course, you know anything can happen on any given Saturday. But sure. it seems like a lot would have to go Texas State's way for this to be interesting after halftime. Right? Yeah. This is a Louisiana team that's uh, unbeaten since that Texas game. Aside from South Alabama, looked have looked very impressive um, in most of their games, and they also avoid. I want to say they avoid Coastal this year. So like this is a team that's absolutely cruising for a Sun Belt t- uh, title game appearance. So they're gonna be looking to basically get this done. So yeah, you mentioned the defense. Texas State is an offensive team that can't move the ball or score consistently, which is a problem. Um, yeah, it's going to get bad. I'm not looking forward to it. I might not watch this game basically at all, especially with Texas and Baylor going on at the same time. Because uh, yeah. So here's my question as a, as a person who went to Texas State, yes. right? Cover, or, you know, covered Texas State, follows yes. Texas State. Mm-hmm. What's the hope for next year? Like, what's oh, the silver man. lining? Like, what's the thing you carry into the offseason? Yeah. It's like, we're going to do – this is going to be the thing that improves or – I think that's the tough part with yeah. Texas State and it's, the way that they're recruiting is you don't it's hard to like identify where you're getting better. Right. I think the the that's kind of the question I have and I've been kind of asking around the program right now. I'm might be able to do something at the end of the year on this. Um I'm kind of asking what what's changed from last year to this year? Because last year they were losing one possession games. They were it was they were literally like if again, football's not played this way, but you can go back and look at a penalty here a bad turnover here and a play here and there's seven wins right they make a few they make an extra point against UTSA they instantly get they they win that game they play if they don't throw if Brady McBride doesn't throw a pick like against SMU they probably pull an upset in the upright you can do that through a lot of those games this year it's not that this year they're just getting beat right, right? they're just getting beat by these teams so next year yeah it's kind of you're looking at a lot of the same guys you're looking at probably a new host of transfers because this is the kind of vicious cycle you get into is once you start losing with you miss on a transfer cycle you miss on juco players well you can't replace those guys with high school players because like you got to win now and they're not there right they're not there and so like even if you wanted to recruit high school players well you're just going to get worse and play freshman next year and and hope for the future off that now spavadol's got to win and so he's going to try to do it again so it i mean when you're in terms of momentum, I mean, they're right now, there is none looking to the future. And that's, I think overall, that's why I'm, this isn't me reporting anything. This is me just purely speculating. That's why I feel like a change is coming because what do you point to? Yep. Right. What do you point? And every time you justify holding onto a head coach, whether they're on the hot seat or not, you say, Oh, it's of course, Jimbo's not going to get fired because AM's winning and they're, you know, they're going to be in the national title picture. You're recruiting well. Of course, so and so is not going to get fired because they're, you know, we're young this year. And what does that look like for Texas State and Jake Spavital? And I don't know. And it's all about your peers. Yes. We, we've talked about this on the show a lot. You, you, you have to look at your program based on the ones around them. Yes. And, and UTSA and Texas State were kind of grouped together mm-hmm. for a while, right? We go back to that 2020 game, and like you said, they're an extra point away from beating UTSA. Yep. Now look at the two trajectories of those programs Literally since that since day. Literally since that point, yeah. 
And and if you're Texas State's administration, that's what you're looking at. That's mm-hmm. that's how you're judging your program. And there's there's no denying that it is heading in a direction that's different than the programs around you. You lose to Incarnate Word as well, which is right up the street. Um, you have no recruiting momentum at all because you're choosing not to yep. recruit in a way that builds momentum. And, and so, yeah, I, I guess for me, there's just so many. Usually, you're, you know, you're two and five. Well, there's something to hang their hat on, right? It's like, well, the offensive line is going to grow up next year. We're going to be better. The secondary is young. We're going to, sure. you know, I don't know what those are right. at Texas State. And I think to me, that would be the most frustrating part, more so than the wins and losses. Sure. Yep. 100%. And I should also mention, like, a lot of this isn't down to, you know, just Jake Spavadol, right? No. I, it, no. it is administration as well. Um, you mentioned UTSA just opening up a new facility, right? They are clearly invested with what Jeff Trailer is doing. Um, UNT, we can talk about their issues on the field, but they have a great facility, incredible stadium, great facilities, UTEP, incredible facilities, getting better. It's, it's, it's a top to bottom thing. And right now it's looking like kind of a, a, a workup from the top down at that, at that university. And so, Sunbelt's only going to get tougher. Exactly. They're, right now, the, I think we can end it here, but I think right now the expansion of the Sunbelt was a good thing for Texas State. But also, if they don't get better – the footprint of the Sun Belt is moving east. Mm-hmm. They could absolutely just like, you guys are winning two games every year. We're cutting off at Louisiana, right? We're going to find somebody else and we're going to cut off it. Because right now, UTA is probably going to leave because they probably want to get rid of football, uh, non-football affiliates. So that would just leave Texas State east of Louisiana or west of Louisiana. Unless there's some, you know, unless a UTEP Hail Mary grab or something or Texas State gets miraculously better. There's no competitive advantage to having them right now. And so right now they're kind of holding on to a lifeline to a conference that you mentioned is getting a lot better and getting more prestigious. So we'll see. Uh, moving on to not much better football. Um, <laughs> North Texas at Rice at 1 p.m. on ESPN3. Rice minus two and a half after their win last week against UAB. I'm curious what that line will look like if that win does not happen. Um, here's the thing. So y- you probably look at this team and you probably look at it on paper and you say, okay. UNT probably does the best thing out of both these teams, and they probably have the best player, right? DeAndre Torrey, they run the ball better. Why is Rice still favored? <laughs> and if I look at the game, and I'm like, I probably would still pick Rice too. <laughs> so it's weird for me to say that I just don't see any energy behind this UNT program, and that's kind of why. Yep. And that that's kind of – I feel like that's enough justification, isn't it? This is the indictment of coaching. Yeah. Because on paper, North Texas is a much better football team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Austin Ane is the best Recruited quarterback better, in the game, done, yeah. best running back in the game. They got wide receivers with talent. The defense has some guys that can play. Like North Texas is a better football team. Yes, but they're not playing better football. And so you combine that with Rice getting a big win last week on the road. They're at home. You know, you, on a neutral site, this is probably a, a coin flip pick 'em game, sure. kind of like the Texas Baylor game we were talking about. So I have more trust in the way Rice plays. I know that Rice is still playing hard and mm-hmm. and, uh, and still believing and, and that kind of stuff. That that win against UAB proved that. A team that's kind of stopped on the season doesn't go on the road and beat UAB and, and hold on in that way. Mm-hmm. We've seen North Texas, you know, last week against Liberty, they had their chance. You know, they're up. Malik Willis is kind of hurt off to the side. They build a lead. It's like, okay, we can we can win this football game. Yeah. And then they just they just get blown out in the second half, yeah. you know. So it's just a team with no belief, no direction, 
and no real identity. And to me, this line is an indictment of how the teams are playing, not what the teams are, because North sure. Texas is clearly more talented. Yeah, 100%. I think that in the, I believe in the Liberty game, they also lost. So uh, Upton Stout, one of the cornerbacks, was unavailable for the Liberty game. And then Quinn Whitlock and John Davis Jr. both had injuries during the game. Uh, this is from John Fields at 247, Mean Green 247. Um, j- uh, safety, Mikhail Sanders was the only starter to finish the game in the secondary. So we don't know the status of those guys heading in. We're coming off a game where Wiley Green looked pretty solid, right? Rice yeah. isn't going to come out and throw 50 times, so they don't have to worry about that. But now are they a little bit more susceptible when they, you know, when they run the three times, you know, they do the run, run pass. Cause that's typically Rice's uh, rhythm on offense. Are they more susceptible on those third downs? Maybe. I don't know. That's, that's kind of a thing. Cause not only are you, you know, kind of dragging your feet to the end of the season, you're hurt <laughs> and you're right. banged up and you're playing a Rice team that, okay, like, again, we know their style. They want to kind of hurt you, right? <laughs> he comes from that Stanford brand of football. They want to kind of get physical. So now that you're a little banged up, yeah, no, I could definitely see this going the wrong way. And then at that point, what is going on? You know, like at, at UNT, you're just kind of like, all right something's got to change and what are you kind of waiting for because if you're falling behind rice in the pecking order now right. where do you go yeah this, these defenses are so bad they're really bad they're man. so bad <laughs> like uh north texas is averaging giving up 35 points a game yeah. and that's the better defense yeah that's the better defense in the game rice God. is giving up 37 now i know that rice has played texas and sure, arkansas sure. and houston and, and also utsa so right. you know they've played four really good teams but yeah, <laughs> this is a really bad game, um, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna find out a lot about North Texas because, like you said, you have to win this game. Yes, if you don't win this game, it's done. It's yes. over. Like it's just a matter of when, not if. Uh, if you win this game, it may still be a matter of when, not if. But this is one of those where you're gonna find out what the locker room at North Texas is about mm-hmm. in this game because there's there's just no way you should lose it. There yeah. really is no way that you should lose this game. And if you go and do that, then it's like, okay, what are what are the problems there in Denton, and, and is this team quitting right. on their head coach? I remember uh, last year's game; it was basically Jason Bean had to pull him out. It was he had uh, a t- uh, one long touchdown of about seventy yards. He almost had a hundred yards rushing. He didn't throw the ball very well, but they were able to run the ball effectively with him and Tory and Attaway. And it's like, okay, well, you take away um, you take away Bean in that in the passing game and his ability to do that, and what do you got going for you now? And I'm pretty sure I'm trying to think, I think, um, Attaway's gone as well. So like, yeah, so Attaway's gone. So it's like, okay, well, what is it kind of, you know, what what are you kind of doing here? So I don't know. Um, the ways they won last year, which is only by 10, it wasn't a lot. It was 27, 17 kind of gone. So I'm taking North Texas plus two and a half. It, really? just, it just feels, I mean, well, I, I it just feels like it has to be like you. you yeah. The, I feel like the team is good. Like yes. no, no, good's the wrong word. No, no. But the, they're a talented team. Yes, they're a talented team. I feel um, like. If you, and it just feels like one of those, if you're going to put it together, you got to put it together now. And I will say a lot of things went right for rice against you. Oh, yeah. right. Like, right. Uh, like they played a clean game. UAB was a little sloppy. They were aggressive on fourth down, got all the converted, right? It was like one of those, like, like last year against uh, that win over Marshall, I could it was things went right too, but I could at least see Rice like pressing and making things happen. There were a lot of things that just kind of happened for Rice this the last week. So I think I'm gonna go Rice still, but this feels like 
I don't feel confident in either one of these scenarios happening. It's just I'm I'm gonna be really fascinated. I'm not I don't know if I'm gonna keep this game on. I mean, it might be. It's only the only one at one o'clock, so probably we'll watch this game. Um, but looking at the box score and looking how this game unfolded is gonna be really fascinating. I think. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if either team won by ten. Yeah. Like if you told me North Texas won thirty one to seventeen, I'd be like, yeah. yeah, okay, they they put it together, they played a good game. That you know, if you told me Rice won thirty one to seventeen, I'd be like, yeah, I can I can see it. North Texas just kind of stopped playing this year. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, for as bad of a game as this is going to be, and I joke that this should be like uh, if you lose your fantasy football league, if you're last in fantasy football, you should be like forced to go to this game next year or something yeah. like that. It is fascinating though. Sure. It sure. is a very fascinating game with I think some implications off the field. Sure, 100%. All righty, moving on to 2.30 Saturday, ABC, Texas Tech at Oklahoma. Interim head coach Sonny Cumbie takes over on the sidelines. Um, Mike Craven, I asked this question earlier, how bad can it get? <laughs> yeah, this is an Oklahoma team that struggled against Kansas. Yep who looked really bad in the first half against Texas. Yep. I don't know how good Oklahoma is. Sure. I have the a lot of times after a coach leaves a team gets better that next week. Fair. You know, you see it in sports all the time like soccer specifically, mm-hmm. right? A coach leaves and then all of a sudden t- I think Tech may cover this one. I think Tech may play some like really inspired good football against a team that's that's just not there. There's something wrong with Oklahoma. They're yeah. not wrong enough to lose this game. But wrong enough to keep it within three touchdowns, and at that point, you know, I probably lean Texas Tech, uh, Texas Tech's way. I think they can run the football. Uh, if they don't turn the ball over, I think they can win the turnover battle because Oklahoma's going to turn the ball over once or twice. And mm-hmm. so, I think this one may end up. I think everybody's like, okay, their coach is fired. They're just going to get blown out by thirty points. I think right. it's the opposite. I think a lot of times when a coach gets fired, that brings everybody still inside the locker room together. together. Yeah, and they play a, a really good game based off emotion and energy. I think we see that from Texas Tech this week. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, that was the one thing about Matt Wells was like, I don't think this was a guy who lost the locker room, right? Or like the guys didn't like him or anything. So like, there is a staff still there that has the players, right? He's not there, but a lot of the coaches, I think, the players still liked, had good relationships with. I kind of agree with you. I think that what we're looking at, in particularly defensively from Oklahoma, right? Obviously, Kansas kind of the offense kind of lollygagged last week, but. Defensively, there are issues with this Oklahoma team. They are susceptible to the pass. Absolutely. They are actually, I should say, yeah, no, they're susceptible to the pass. They're decent against the run. Um, I think Kansas kind of did some interesting things in the single wing kind of uh, Lance Leipold's little offense they have going there. Really good. But uh, I think they're more susceptible in the pass. And I think what I'm curious what Sonny Cumbie does. If he, if there was some type of game plan Matt Wells wanted to where he's not throwing the ball a lot. I wonder if that's different against an Oklahoma team, especially Sonny Cumbie calling the shots, Oklahoma being vulnerable. If they let Henry Henry Columbia throw it a little more, if it if it turns into little shades of the air raid, and we mentioned it on the emergency podcast, this is Sonny Cumbie's shot. Yep. Right? He's he should be they're not gonna say this publicly, but he should be in the running for that job if they hit a different gear. And I think he he should know that, right? If they go two and two Yes. On yes. their way out. Yes. In this yes. And, and the offense is looking good and explosive and you know the balance is a little bit different. You better say it, no. <laughs> like that basically is that the, is the reason why you're looking elsewhere. Right. Like <laughs> if you if cuz these last four games are hard. You yes. know, you, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. If you can go 2 and 2, that's as good of a I mean that's 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 your application yes. right there. And so 
I think this is very important for Sonny Cumbie. I think everybody in the locker room knows mm-hmm. it's very important for Sonny Cumbie. I know everybody in the locker room is hearing, you know, SMU's coach, right. UTSA's coach. Well, they want to play for their coaches that they were recruited by. And I, there's pride there. Mm-hmm. And I think we see a, a tech team play. They're going to punch out of their weight class this week. I don't mm-hmm. think it's sustainable. You're going to come back down to earth because you are who you are at the end of the day. Sure. But I think this week we see a really inspired, uh, hard, you know, hard playing tech team. I don't know if that's enough to win, sure. but I think it's enough to cover 19 and a half points. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Like uh, you mentioned, Oklahoma has been very stop and start. I think I'm firmly in the Oklahoma's defense is probably mediocre. Uh, category uh there were some signs of, of uh, some signs of looking different earlier in the year but i think we've seen enough to where like yeah no they're, they're definitely yeah. broken on the uh, secondary is so. not good and they don't have the pass rush to eliminate that kind of stuff exactly so i think i agree with you i think we'll see a different tech i think henry columbia's a decent backup quarterback right he's not the guy you want to lead your team a whole season but in these spurts he's not he hasn't been the issue so right i think if you can look at your backup quarterback and say yeah he's not he's not losing his games you're in a good spot so What's your over and under on his attempts? Ooh, I'll set the over under at 35 and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I think he's going to be in. I, I think I think Cummy's going to throw it around a lot. I think he's I, mean, I really do think Sonny Cummy's going to go, whoo, you know, like <laughs> when you wake up in the morning yeah. and you're like, yeah, you know, today's going to be a good day. We're going to see the sun rising right, in the he's Lubbock gonna, East. He's going to text Mike Leach and be like, hey, I don't know what you're doing at one two thirty in the afternoon, but tune into this. And like, I think he's going to throw the ball thirty five. He's got times. the group text with him Why and not? Kingsbury and Simons going. Just like y'all ready? Because if you're not, you're interviewing for this job, sure. actively on the field, but you're also interviewing for your next offensive coordinator job if they do go yeah. Sonny Dykes, Jeff Trailer, or whatever. So I, a lot of this is a very important time for Sonny Cumbie. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And I do. I, I think Taj Brooks is still coming back from injury too. So like, again, Sir Roderick Thompson's been banged up. Do you want to give him a lot of carries? Do you want to maybe you want to throw Taj Brooks out there if he's a little banged up too? This could be just by circumstance too the best way they have to win this game. I hope they throw it forty five times. I would love it if we look yeah. at uh, sixty attempts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right. oh we're back right. baby. Right, <laughs> right. Because I I fondly like I loved that era. It was of Texas so good. It was so much fun. I, I know I didn't have a dog in the fight, so yeah. it's less it's, it's not as stressful when sure. you when you're it's not your defense giving up fifty five right. sixty points or whatever. <laughs> right. But it was a lot of fun to watch, yeah. and so I like hope tech it kind of returns tech to that. Was a sixty-five to fifty, and BJ Simons threw seventy-five times. For right? It's no. like yes, yes, yes let's yeah. go, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right, moving on. TCU at Kansas State, two thirty p.m. on ESPNU. Kansas State minus three. TCU might be the most confusing football team in the state, and that says a lot because you look on paper. You watch some of the games and you're like, this offense should be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. offense should be awesome. Max Duggan's playing good. Max Duggan's playing good. They have a premier run. They have multiple running backs, one premier running back. And then you, of course, yes, you notice the defense. And you're like, okay, yeah, the defense is atrocious. But you should be like, I don't know. We've seen, we lived off an entire era of the Big 12 where there was nothing but offense and, and no defense. And it's like, okay, they should be doing something. And then they go and score 17 against West Virginia. And you're like, I I don't know what's happening anymore. I think it's a problem of identity, yeah. right? We yeah. all in our life struggle between the what we want to be and what we are. Mm-hmm. 
And Gary Patterson wants his TCU team to be something that this TCU team is not. Yeah. You're not going to win 24 to 23 football games with this team. You're going to have to win 42 to 38. This right. is what you're going to do. And it's not in his DNA to allow his offense to be explosive like that. It's just not. And so I, I, I think this team is better if they take more deep shots down the field, if they mm. give more to Max Duggan, because he's been good. Quentin Johnston, Tay Barber, those guys are talented dudes. Yes. Uh, they got a couple of running backs that are really good, including, you know, if, if Bajon Robinson's not at Texas, Zach Evans is the biggest star in the state. Is if, you know, and so um I just I just don't I just don't think they know who they are. Yeah. Or at least they're in denial they're of who de- they, that's of who they are. And they're yeah. not they're not playing to their strengths. And, it, and it's hurting them. They're still trying to play like TCU rosters of the old played to win games, mm-hmm. and that's not who they are. They need to be Tech. Yeah. They need to be like what we talked about with Tech, where you're trying to score 45 points. You're not worried about stopping people to 15, 16 points. It's not going to happen. Sure. You just got to go outscore teams, and it just doesn't seem like that's in the DNA of this Horn Frogs coaching staff to allow to happen. Yeah, and I think the worst part about that is we expected this defense to take it. Like, it's heading into the year. We were like, okay, they have they lost some. Of course, they lost some stars on the back end, but you see the pieces of what could be a Gary Patterson defense, right? You see O'Shawn Mathis in the run, in the 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 uh, pass rush. You see uh, some veteran experience in the secondary. Okay, if they can kind of make things work, and you kind of expect them to be average, probably a little peaking to above average towards the end of the year. And we kind of it was the questions always hinged on what their offense was going to be, how Max Duggan was going to be, and they've. That side of the ball is almost solved, right? We can talk about play calling and all that stuff. But for the most part, this is roughly a top 15-ish offense in the country. Good offense. Easily, yes. And now it's completely, you know, we're now we're we're now here we are in, you know, about to be November. And we're like, well, they're still trying to it looks like they're still trying to win games defensively and they won't cut the brakes. And it's like, listen, Gary, if you you punt this year, we're looking at uh, defensively. Punt it. Talk about work on that in spring, man. Like you, you get what I'm saying. Like yep. you have you have these playmakers. You have a quarterback. You have a running back. Who again? This is the era of the transfer portal. <laughs> you have a running back who's watching another star in the state do things for a team that's featuring him correctly. Um, and you have your best quarterback since Kenny Hill. Like easily performing your best year, best since Kenny Hill. Um, and you're not really trusting them to be the identity of this team. And so, yeah, I, it's, it's, the problem is looking at Kansas state. Now, Kansas state's a very well coached team, right? Chris Kleiman is a good coach. Kansas state has, they've had some bad losses this year, but this is a team that can absolutely run the ball on you. And you're not, you're probably not going to get many chances in this game to respond to long Kansas state drives when they're grinding out, you know, uh, these, these long double digit timed, uh, 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 drives. And so you're going to have to do these quick hits to be like, all right, defense is going to be on the field for 15 minutes, right? right. We got to be able to hit, hit, hit in succession. So I don't know. I'm really worried about this one. I think TCU will win. I, I just because it's one of those games and it was, it was this way last week and they still lost, but it's one of those games where you look across the field and you're like, there's no way they should be losing this game. If they lose this game, they're not reaching a bowl. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I, I just don't. They play can They still have Kansas, so that's a win. But other than that, right. there's not there's not much of a winnable game left. 
Kansas State reminds me of that kid in school that like you didn't not fight him because he could beat you up. It's right. just because he just he's he's gonna take a punch. Right. You know, like he's not gonna go away. <laughs> like you're gonna have to fight him every single day. Right. You're, right. Like Kansas gonna, State, they don't blink. Lose, he might lose every day, but he's gonna come back the next day. Right. And just be like, oh, it, you right. again? Yes. <laughs> exactly. And he's gonna land a couple shots. Right. You know, and it, and one like, of them might hurt you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. They got Matt Wells fired last week right. for that reason. They were down 14 nothing with 11-something left in the first quarter, yep. and they didn't blink. And so I, I think that's the challenge against uh, Kansas State. TCU is clearly the more talented team. Yes. But Kansas State's down for a fight for four quarters, and I don't know if this TCU roster is that. And that to me, that's an indictment because that was never true for TCU. That was what TCU's makeup was. That's yeah. how we described Gary Patterson teams. Like You're going to have to beat them for 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now they're giving up 30-plus points a game defensively, yeah. and it's just not as true anymore. I think Kansas State I – don't, I don't know. I, at home, with where this TCU program is, it's mm-hmm. hard for me not to take Kansas State sure. um, in the points. That's fair. I think all their lo- all the Kansas State's losses came against teams who were, who were able to move the ball, right? They're not great offenses, but, I mean, Oklahoma is – Oklahoma State's kind of shaky, but – they have the potential, right? Spencer Sanders has the ability to throw deep, has the ability to make plays. And those are their losses. Iowa State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. If you can move the ball on this team, they are beatable because they're a team with a ceiling, right? That's the other thing. This Kansas State is a team with a clear ceiling. TCU should have a higher ceiling, theoretically does have a higher ceiling. We've seen them in shootouts. We've seen them throw out these uh, uh, wild numbers. They just haven't always hit it. So... You know, yeah, it's this is going to be a big one because they need this game if they want to go bowling because they're probably not going undefeated and they're not in their last three games. No. So, because uh, Kansas is a winnable game, sure, but they they still have some some they tough still have, teams uh, on their schedule. Baylor, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that one's going to be another interesting one to watch out for. Uh, moving on to evening slate, five p.m. on ESPN Plus. UTEP at FAU. What is happening? UTEP's not favored anymore. <laughs> FAU minus 11. Uh, so a couple things about this one. Uh, this is, I think this is a, a battle of interesting defenses. Not really, um, UFAU's behalf, not really good defenses, but interesting defenses. The FAU defends the pass really well. Also, this isn't your, 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 your dad's FAU. This isn't your Lane Kiffin, you know, oh man, they're going to just like, you know, torching every team in CUSA and looking incredible. This is a team that's a little bit more pedestrian. They're about top, 40-ish in offense, which again, for for a lot of CUSA fans out there, it's not what you're used to. You're used to a top 25 offense. You're like, man, they're going to put up 70 or today. You're not going to try to put, to put up 70. So I think I would lean FAU, but 11 seems like a lot. 11 seems like a lot. I A, a quick aside, when, when you say like this isn't your dad's, you know, whatever, yeah. uh, I'm starting to realize that that's me now, you know? <laughs> like, like, like I'm starting to get to that generation where it's like, oh, no, he's talking about me. Like he's talking about the teams I I think of when I'm talking about FAU. Right. That popped in my head as soon as you said that. I was like, oh, no. Um, I read a stat. I, I should have written down who put it out there because it was a really cool stat. Yeah. Mm. Uh, UTEP's never won in the Eastern time zone. Oh, my gosh. That's a long that trip. That is nuts. That's a long trip, right? You're going yeah. from El Paso, which is mountain time zone, across central time zone, and Eastern time zone. That's a long way to go. I think they're like 0-25 or something like that against. Oh, Adrian Broaddus. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Man. What is the actual? 0-25-1. Tw- yep. That so, is nuts. So 
they have that working against them. Uh, <laughs> but I'm with you. 11 points just seems like too much. I, this FAU offense isn't that good right. to just blow out UTEP that way. Uh, they haven't had to travel in a while, but they did have an off week to go into this game. And mm-hmm. so um, I probably lean UTEP plus 11. Uh, this would be a tough one to win. It's yeah. hard for me to pick UTEP outright in this one because I just don't think they can score the points sure. um, to keep that. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost this one 24 to 14, mm. you know, somewhere in, where in that, and that's all you need to cover. Yeah. I think that this, I'm looking at this and calling it the uh, the game day bowl because I mentioned uh, ESP, ESPN2 picked up UTSA UTEP next week. And if, UT, if UTEP gets blown out, they, they, there's, there's, <laughs> there's nothing happening there. But if they win or win or lose close, Okay, then I really do think like there's some intrigue there. I'm not saying ESPN is going to go to El Paso, but there's some intrigue there to be like, this is a huge group of five game. This is a resurgent program. There's a potential here that I'm curious if, and I think UTEP knows that, right? They can't go into the UTSA game, which has already been marked as a huge opportunity for both programs. They can't go into that game losing 35 to 10, right? And I think they know that. And there's some conference stuff going on here too. Right. Th- these next few few weeks are important for UTEP in terms of just establishing their brand and what they are and, and becoming a little bit more intriguing on a, on a national level. Mm-hmm. And so I do think these are important weeks uh, for UTEP. And like you said, if they if they can mess around and win this football game somehow and, and UTSA is on a bye so they can't mess it up and come. That becomes a huge game in the Sun Bowl, mm-hmm. and that place will be rocking. Yes. And it's a fun place to be when there's people there. Like, yep. uh, you know, so. Yeah, um, you don't want all of the momentum you've built over the first seven or eight weeks of the season just eliminated with the blowout loss. I think right. this team, after the bye week, even with the long trip, I, I think they come out and play and at least at least cover this. I think that the one thing uh, FAU is, they're good at throwing the ball. Nikosi Perry only has four turnovers on the year. I think he has 14, 14 touchdowns. He's played really well, but again, his mistakes came against the good teams he played. I'm not going to count Florida. But Air Force and UAB are their two other losses. Air Force, he threw one pick, no touchdowns, uh, 11 of 33 for only 78 yards. UAB, 16 to 25, 193, three picks, one touchdown. Those are the only two teams that good teams that he faced. They don't have a – they blew out Charlotte. Okay, fine, Charlotte's decent. Uh, they beat FIU, they beat Fordham, and they beat a bad Georgia Southern, right? This is still a team where I'm trying to figure out what they are. Similarly to UTEP, right? This is probably what this is UTEP's. Uh, I'm not going to count the uh, non-conference games. This is UTEP's first big test in conference, probably. I'd say. I mean, uh, Louisiana Tech was good as well, but I think FAU is top in the East, and so I think this is their next chance to be like, okay, like let's see what UTEP's made of, right? You you can the big steps for UTEP were beating the teams that they should have beaten because they haven't done that in the past, and it was it was also hard to say that UTEP should beat teams in the past, so. Uh, so that was a step forward for them. Now, okay, you're back to being the underdog. You're a big underdog. What happens now? Eastern time zone thing as well. I mean, you're moving two time zones because you're in that weird little <laughs> corner yeah. of Texas. But, um, yeah, I don't know. This isn't a – This isn't a, uh, 11 seems like a lot. I know why FAU is favored. I think they will win this game, but I think UTEP covers. All right, let's get to it. Main event. Let's go. I'm glad it's the last game of the weekend. 6 p.m. ESPN 2. Houston, SMU, Houston minus one. Mike Craven, this is where you will be this weekend. What are you looking for? To me, this is SMU's offensive line versus Houston's defensive line. Yes. You know, SMU's offensive line. This is crazy to me. 
Tanner Mordecai has thrown the ball 263 times. He's been sacked twice. <laughs> oh, One of them was last week. So yeah. they, they went into last week's game, or I guess two weeks two weeks ago yeah. uh, game, uh, with six games played and one sack given That's up nuts. with that many passes. So, now, conversely... Houston's defense averages over four sacks a game, and they don't blitz that much. That's mm-hmm. that's all front four, you know, occasionally a fifth rusher or whatever. So, to me, if you're if you're watching this one, put put your eyes on the offensive line of SMU and the defensive line of Houston, and the winner of that battle wins this football game. Yes. Because I think the SMU defense Houston offense pretty even matchup, mm-hmm. but that SMU offense has just been crushing folks. You know, they've been really good, and a lot of the reason Tanner Mordecai is a great quarterback, and he has a lot of weapons, but he. Quarterback is an easy position to play when you're just under no pressure, mm-hmm. or at least easier. Sure, sure. And he hasn't had to deal with that much this year. He's had a clean pocket. It's been pra- it's been target practice mm-hmm. for Tanner Mordecai for much of the game. I would imagine Coach Belk and that defense lights him up and attempts to really move him from his spot. Mm-hmm. And it'll be the first time we've seen that happen to Mordecai this year. And it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts if that is a- if Houston can get home. What does SMU do? Yes. And if Houston can't get home, SMU's going to kill him. Yes, 100%. And so um, Houston minus one kind of surprised me. Hmm. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of thought it'd be SMU plus three, plus three and a half. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a, a really good game, an interesting game, and one I'm super excited to be at. Yeah. I think that, you know, when you look at Houston's defense this year, I mentioned before, you know, that this is a team that – this is a defense that – only being overshadowed by kind of Georgia skewing a lot of the stats because Georgia's having a historically great year. Um, but again, you're, I look at the team and I look at their opponent. Uh, let me see, opponent yards allowed per play. Houston's fifteenth right now. Uh, teams above them: AM, Clemson, UTEP. Uh, funnily enough, Iowa, Cincinnati, Georgia, Wisconsin. Right, those are the caliber of teams that are playing better than them. The one thing that I do question. Aside from that tech game, and again, week one, whatever, what's the other good offense that they played, right? They ha- Have they played an offense that can reach the heights that SMU can play? They played decent teams, right? Tulane, Eastern, East Carolina are decent teams. They've crushed the teams they needed to crush, so impressive. Boom, good job. But there was always that that back and forth of how good is Houston versus their record. Are they, an, are they actually that improved or that good of a team, or is just the record folding correctly? Granted, you need some of that in college football. You need the record to go your way. You can't get the the brutal brutal murderer's row and expect you to look like an improved team. But, okay, let's see what happens when you can play a team that you mentioned has only given up two sacks, has a quarterback that can light you up, has a running game that can absolutely break things open, has wide receivers that will probably be playing on Sunday. What does that look like now? And, by the way, a tight end who is absolutely looking like the the biggest cheat code in the game. Grant Calcaterra was an absolute stupid pickup. I diet, can't believe- <laughs> diet Gronk. Exactly. I can't yeah. believe they let SMU get Grant Calcaterra because, I mean, I get it. He didn't play last year, so everybody just probably kind of forgot about him. And it was like, oh, wait, there's that guy that Oklahoma used. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, what's it look like? And then looking on the other side of the ball, SMU, very, very vulnerable. Right, we saw that La Tech game. We saw that uh, North Texas looked really interesting early on in that game. Uh, TCU, of course, we liked it. we liked TCU's offense a lot, but they were also looking pretty good. Um, what is is this an offense in in Houston that can take advantage of that consistently? Has Clayton Toon been pressed enough 
right to where we can feel confident. It's like, yeah, he's a guy who can really take advantage of that, right? He's played good, good enough, hasn't made mistakes. That's all you want. But this is gonna be this might be a game where the defense he he might face a couple situations where the defense his defense breaks once or twice, and he's facing a little bit of pressure to match that. And I that's what I'm curious about because. I think that's the vulnerable side for both teams is can SMU's defense prevent the big play from stopping uh, happening and can Clayton tune take advantage of what they might give him. I do think so his hamstrings bothered him throughout the year. Right. And this feels like one of the only games where his legs would be important. Sure. Yeah. It feels, it feels like this game, if he has gotten healthier, this is a game where you start to see more of his legs being used because there's going to be times where he needs to go pick up a first down when something's not there. Mm -hmm. My question is, what do you do game plan-wise if you're Holgerson? Mm -hmm. Do you go into this going, we're going to need to score 30 points, so we're going to throw the ball around the yard and take our shots there, and if we give up a couple quick possessions, three and out, we're just going to have to live with that and hope our defense can figure it out? Mm -hmm. Or do you try to play a keep ball? Do you try to do you try to run the ball a lot and kind of limit the possessions for Mordecai in that offense? I don't know what the right answer is there. Yeah. Uh, the running game's kind of been hot and cold. You know, there's been games where McCaskill's looked like a future star. There's been games where that offensive line doesn't look like it gets a ton of push. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's determined on the field early on. If the run game works, you keep doing it. Um, but this may turn into kind of a a seven on seven football game because I don't know how healthy Ulysses Bentley is either. Sure. And so. Uh, this is if this becomes quarterback on quarterback, I'm taking Tanner Mordecai and I'm taking that SMU offensive line. Yeah. And so, if you're Dana Dana Holgerson, I think the key for you is to figure out some kind of game plan to take a possession or two away from that SMU offense. You got to figure out a way to win. You know, time of possession to have more plays to not turn the ball over. Um, because you can't ask your defense to just bail you out over and over and over again. And it almost happened last week against East Carolina. Yeah. I mean, East Carolina came back, forced overtime, um, and their defense made made a big play um, to to kind of secure that win. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, they're going to need to run the ball a lot better than they did last week because if you take away that McCaskill overtime touchdown run, they, they did not run the football well at all. And if they do that against SMU, that SMU offense is going to put up too many points uh, for them to keep up with. Yeah, I think that I'm trying to look at the – I was looking for the game against Tulane um, because you mentioned the sacks that SMU hasn't given up yet, right? SM, uh, Houston's defense, Houston's pass rush – is filthy, right? They had eight sacks in that game against two against Tulane, and Tulane's not a team that passes the ball a lot, so they were getting to the quarterback and what opportunities they had. Twelve tackles for loss. I think that I've been looking forward to this game because I've been trying to figure out specifically more with Houston. I think SMU. We know what SMU is. They're a really filthy offense. Some shaky spots on defense. They might slow start slow on offense. Takes take a while to get up, but they get going. Tanner Mordecai is that dude. They have the playmakers they need to. Houston, there is there is some there are some question marks. There, you know, how much of that week one tech loss was just week one stuff going on? Um, how much is the schedule playing into their into them? How how much are they having to rely on that defense and just kind of letting the offense well, just kind of vibe out a little bit, right? <laughs> like let McCaskill take some shine here, let Clayton Toon take some shine there, because I want to say they've also given up twenty sacks this year, so they're not like absolutely yeah, like, their offense line not that good. Yeah, so they're very susceptible in many ways. 
Well, let's see. All right. And this is your biggest test of the year. So, and I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. This is going to be your biggest test of the year. That's what I was saying. That's what I was looking at too. Like to your point that the, you know, six game winning streak sounds great. Right. Rice, Grambling, Navy, Tulsa, Tulane, East Carolina last week in overtime. Yeah. What, what's the best team out of that bunch? East Carolina, I guess. Probably. I mean, there, there's not, there's not a, a, there's not a great team. There's not really even that good. And of then a looking team, after, looking after, uh, after SMU, South Florida, Temple, Memphis, UConn. Cool. Like again, if they if they go, you know, if they win this game and they happen to go 10-1-11-0, awesome. Like obviously you should win, you should be destroying that schedule. That's what we should be looking at. And if you do, we'll treat you like a team that goes, you know, has one loss, right? We'll give you those praises. But this is the chance for a little hiccup to be like if you lose this game or if this game goes badly, right? right? If you lose this game close, sure, whatever. You played a good team, you know, it happens. If you lose this game badly, we're looking at a, you know, 10 and 2 or like all right, but one time they played a good team, you know, right. like that's so. why the line yeah. surprised me. Yeah, that's right. You know, I was yeah. like SMU's beaten some teams. Yeah. You know, and they they've at least beaten better teams than than Houston has. Right. Um and so And if yeah. you're SMU, I mean like man, this is this will be this is this is a this is supposed to be a reload year, right? Like this is supposed to be like, oh yeah, they're probably going to fall off a little bit and blah blah blah. If you beat I mean, you still got you still got your two hardest games coming up in UCF and Cincinnati, but you know, I thought those games will be kind of, I don't want to say lost before they came up, but at the beginning of the year, you'd be like, yeah, they'll probably have one or two losses before they head into those games. And it's like, if you win this game, beat Memphis next week, man, all right, all of a sudden you're looking at an unbeaten SMU team heading into two ranked games potentially. And this may be more of a talking part point for like dorks like us, yeah. right? But you got to think that the rumors of – Texas Tech's job opening and and Sonny Dykes being kind of the leading way and his dad being a legend there and him sure. going there. How much has that bled into the locker room? Sure. How sure. much does that impact this team this week and their their preparation and their mindset and their focus and and all that kind of stuff? It doesn't take much to get off track mm-hmm. as a football team. You know, it's it's young people. There's 85 different players in there. There's 20 different coaches. There's a lot of opinions with parents and brothers and sisters and cousins and best friends. And it can get real ugly real quick. And so I think it'll be impressive if SMU comes out and plays a really focused game of football because there are obvious distractions there. Uh, We'll see how much that impact. Maybe that's one of those things that after the game, we kind of put more on than we should have. Sure, um, sure. But it'll be interesting to see how prepared they are for their road game just with all the noise that's kind of been around the program this week. Yep. Alrighty, that'll do it for us this uh, Wednesday preview edition. We'll be back Sunday to recap all this fun stuff and Texas State um, from this weekend. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend of football, guys. Make sure you keep it tuned for Houston SMU. By the way, make sure you cheer for UTEP because we want that game next week to be pretty big. So I want both these teams to head into the game winning. So I don't know about Mike Craven. What, what's nice? Oh yeah. See, okay. what's nice about rooting for UTEP is yeah. it doesn't like you can root for UTEP. There's right. there, no, nobody's no one rival. Hates you, right? right? No one's gonna hate you. Right. Be, yeah. Right. No, it's it's great. You no, know, so. nobody's rival. You know, unless yeah. you like grew up in New Mexico, maybe. Exactly. You know, and so like they can be kind of your like adopted Texas team. Yes, hundred percent. So let's go UTEP. Let's get game day to El Paso insane fan support on both ends it would be if they get if they get uh if they get out there next week there's gonna be a lot of utsa fans i I was about to say when utsa made the bowl game in new mexico they traveled really well so i mean if they can just make every every utsa fan i know loves el paso yes oh 100 loves it yes loves it and so 
Because like you know, early on in their program history, there was a night game yeah. UTSA UTEP that was very well attended. It was really? it okay. was like a really good fun game. Yeah, I can't. I think it was 2014 somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And so it's always in the basketball wise, UTEP always has a really good basketball right, team. Right, so there's right. a you know, UT system stuff, mm-hmm. uh, Hispanic cities. You know, a lot right. of a lot of that. And so um, yeah, I think there's going to be a huge UTSA contingent there. And if they, if UTEP can be seven and one. I think a lot of people kind of come out of the woodworks in El Paso and the surrounding areas, and that game becomes a, a really big, fun game. That's now yeah. at nine o'clock central. Yeah, and everybody, it's going to be kind of like Conference USA after dark, and yep. that's going to be a lot of fun. So we're supposed to be impartial. I don't care. Go UTEP, beat FAU. Let's get this game going. We only week. have to be uh, impartial when it's two Texas teams. Fair. That's fair. That's yeah. that's the way I we look get at this. Open, right? I will openly root for te- right. either Texas teams against anybody else. Yes. So, that's yes. how I that's how I approach the job. All right. So we'll talk to you guys Sunday. <laughs>